Good morning. Welcome to All People's Church. We're coming to you today from Flagstaff, Arizona. Our focus is discipleship, and the title of today's lesson is In Search of Discipleship. Our theme is, as it was last week, Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple. The primary idea today is discipleship is a stool with three legs. They are knowledge, belief, and action. The golden meditation verse is found in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus said. When we think about and meditate on this scripture this week, let us ask ourselves, what were Jesus' commandments? Now, let's maintain and repair our shield of faith and sharpen our sword of the Spirit with a more thorough knowledge of the Word of God as we begin by listening as members of all people's church read today's text, John 14, 1 through 31. This is one of the most important and profound chapters of the whole Bible. This is the last teaching and encouragement Jesus will give the disciples before his crucifixion. Also in it, Jesus makes 10 major promises. Twyla? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper and he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little bit while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, 
and you and me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will love me by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and I will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not believe in me does not keep my word, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so do I. Arise, let us go from here. Amen. May God add his blessing to his holy word. Amen. I want to go to verse 4 and just make one comment before we get into the heart of the message today. Jesus says in verse 4, And where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him in verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? At this point, Jesus, I thought, probably was a little bit exasperated. As his disciples, Jesus expected all of them to know that he was going back to the Father. I think that's the thing he had been preparing them for a lot in this last year of his ministry. Most importantly, he had taught them the way many times. You know, the early church, they were called the way. We were nothing more than a split or a sect or probably known by many derogatory terms, but they called Christianity the way. Jesus, right here, he says to them, I am the way. He was the way, and he was continually trying to teach them that. John 3.16, after all, are the words of Jesus himself, and he says in that, as we all know it by heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus was the way. And Jesus said to them in verse 6, so he clarifies it for them one more time. In verse 6, he says, I am the way. He said in verse 4, he told them, he says, you know the way. And now in verse 6, he makes it very plain again. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And by the way, if the world has an issue, it has two issues. Number one, the first issue they have is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the issue. Every atheist, everyone that, that rejects the gospel, they reject it based on Jesus Christ. They reject it based on what he said. 
So this word that Jesus is saying, he says, I am the way, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And he made it plain. Not only was he the answer, right? He was in the prophecies from the beginning of God's dealing with mankind. He was part of the plan. He was, in fact, he was the plan. And so he is not going to give one inch of ground to any other religion. Hear me now. Any other religion, any other philosophy, Jesus is not going to give one inch of ground to anyone that says you can get to God a different way. There is no other way. He says, I am the way. And then he puts a big exclamation point at the end of that by, by giving his life for all mankind. I would like to pivot and go a different direction now. Because I told you that to me, in my mind, I see 10 major promises in chapter 14 of John. I would like to read them to you. The first promise is found in verse 2. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. That is a major promise. All of these things that I'm going to illuminate here, I think are major they're major. They're, they're the kind of things that Christianity is hung on, so to speak. The second one is in verse 3. I will come again and receive you to myself. That's a promise. He made a promise right there. He said, I am going to come back and I will receive you to myself. So those of us that are living in these latter days, that is one of the most important things that we can hang on to is as we see the world getting darker. And when I say darker, I mean morally. So the thing that you and I ought to encourage ourselves is, Jesus said, I will come back. And when I do, I will receive you to myself. Let's go to verse 6. Now this is the one we were talking about earlier. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a major promise. And I think we can, you can take it negative, like I was talking about earlier, that he is the only way. Or you can take it positive. Once you've accepted Christ, you know that you're on the right track. Verse 9, he who has seen me has seen the Father. You know, one of the things that I think about a lot is, what, what is God like? Well, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you know what the Father's like. And so when we look at all the things that comprise Jesus' life on this earth, I think we can have great confidence that we know what the Father is like. And it's a good thing, right? All of us would have wanted to have been a disciple of Jesus. Ever, all of us would have wanted to be anywhere he was. I think that's the thing that we can take great comfort in is that when we get to heaven and we finally meet God, However that will come about. If we know Jesus, we're also going to know him. The things that, that we admire in Jesus, we were also going to admire in him. Verse 12. This is number five, by the way, if you're keeping track. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater because I go to the Father. That is a great promise to us. The thing that sometimes people get a little discouraged because they think about all the healings that were done in Jesus' time and then they see maybe that they are holding on for a healing. And what I would tell them is don't you give up. All of the things that Jesus did in the past, he said you will do things 
that are just as big and important and even greater. The day of miracles is not over. He never rescinded this. This is a promise to us. You can hang your hat on it. You can take it to the bank. And he says, why? Because I go to the Father. Let's go to verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Another promise. Verse 19. <laughs> this is one of the best ones of all. Because I live, you will live also. He is foreshadowing the resurrection right here, I believe. He's saying, because I live, you will live also. If, if anything, when a person, when the doctor comes in and says, you know what, you've got terminal cancer. The doctor ought to be absolutely blown away when, we get, when you get a big smile on your face, right? Because death for you has no sting. It has, there's no downside to death to you except maybe leaving loved ones here on this planet. But for you, he said, because I live, you will live also. There is a resurrection for you. Verse 26, this is a great promise. He, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. That's a great promise right there, guys. A lot of times we think, well, how can I learn? Really, how can I learn? There's things that I don't know. There's things about God that I, I feel like I need to, to be aware of. There's things that in the scriptures that are sometimes hard for me to understand. And let me tell you something. Jesus made a great promise right here. He said, He, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I think that was a great thing that we ought to take great, I, I, I just say the word again, comfort in, and that a lot of times the word of God is maligned. A lot of critics are going to erroneously say that, is this really the word of God? And what I'm telling you in John was right there. John was an eyewitness to this whole conversation. This whole thing that Jesus said on that night, John was there. And John is saying, this is what he said. And I believe the Holy Spirit, many times over the years as John was getting older, he could remember that night just like it was a video playing in his mind. And I believe the Holy Spirit, when John was ready to write his recording of Jesus' last night before he was crucified, I believe that the Holy Spirit replayed that night in John's mind perfectly. John says, this is what Jesus said. Listen, this is another one of those I think you can take it to the bank. This is what Jesus said that night. Verse 26 again. He says, He the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now let's go to the tenth and last one. Verse 27. My peace I give to you. That is a great promise. Sometimes if you're ever in turmoil, if you ever feel like you're being tormented by circumstances and all of the things that happen to all of us in a normal life, most of our issues, they're related to people. That's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes, sometimes, especially with people that you love, 
and I'm thinking about relatives, I'm thinking about children, I'm even thinking about parents and things like that. Sometimes you go through difficulties and one of the things that you can depend on, and I, I believe ask for, is Lord give me peace. Lord let me reflect your peace. Lord may your peace fill my mind and fill, fill my body today. Now, okay, this is going to be a, a question for you guys if you would look at me for just a second. Isn't it comforting just hearing Jesus' promises? Do you agree with that? Is, is there not something in, these, in just these ten promises that gives you more hope, it gives you more peace, gives you more joy? If that's true, if Jesus had repeated any of these promises three times, would that mean anything to you? Well, what would you think if I told you Jesus did repeat something three times in this one chapter? Let's reread verses 15, 21, and 23. And Denise, would you be kind enough to read those verses? Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, so that's pretty simple, right? Let me, let me repeat it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Go ahead, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Let's talk about those three verses. Note these down, 15, 21, and 23. Verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21 says, I want to key in some, I know Denise has just read this, but I want to key in on some words here. And one of the words is love. He says in verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then verse 23 again, it says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, if you were to be arrested and executed later today, let's say that that really happened to you today. Someone started banging on your door and said, if you don't open it, we're going to bust it down. And then they come in, guns drawn, and they said, okay, get your wallet and get your identification. You're going with us. And you knew, you knew that this was it. You know, these guys were communist guerrillas, and they had put out in the town that they were coming for you eventually. Let's say that they knew you were a Christian. Let's say they knew that you've been talking to people about Christ, about the way. They had let it be known that they were going to come get you. They had threatened your life, maybe even personally to you. But you had heard that they had said it to other people maybe in your town, that they were going to come get you one of these days. Well, it's, it's happened, and they're about to bind you and take you with them. My question to you is, if you were to be arrested and you knew and you knew that you were going to be executed later today, what would your final words be to your loved ones? I've read about this happening, by the way, 
several times to people that work in dangerous areas of the world. And one of them I'm thinking about is in the red zone of Colombia, what they call the red zone, which are zones way out in the, the bush and generally along the, the boundaries of Colombia that are controlled by communist guerrillas. And I remember this one pastor, they came and they got him and he thought that was it. And he had some last words for his family. And they're written in the magazine that I read the story in. But my question to you is, what would your final words be to your loved ones? Is it possible you might repeat something to them that is especially important to you? This is, this is the last time you're going to be able to talk to them. I would just like to highlight one commandment. And the reason I'm asking this is because that's the situation Jesus was in this night. This was exactly the situation he was in. These were his loved ones. And he was telling them his final words. In fact, one of the most beautiful parts of scriptures that we read, I think, is in verse 31. Well, let me go back up to verse 30. He says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. So Jesus is telling them right then, this is it, guys. I've told you everything that I want to say, and I'm not going to say much more. Verse 31 says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to what Jesus is saying here. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. That is so beautiful. It wraps up this whole thing and puts a bow on it. Jesus says, look, I came to the earth for this purpose. He says, I am doing my Father's commandment. This is the thing that I came to do. And I want you to know that I love the Father and I do what he tells me to do. Arise, let us go from here. Those are all beautiful promises he made. They are last will and testament kind of things. But then let's key in on the things, the very last thing Jesus said which is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Would all of you turn there with me? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These are incredible verses. It's the kind of verse that you can commit to memory or at least commit the scripture reference to memory. So if the things that Jesus said on the night of his betrayal were important to him, what about this verse? That's my point today. What about this verse? This verse is the last recorded thing he said before he was caught up into heaven. And I used to be a Star Trek fan, and one of the things they do is they, they would get beamed up, and they're gone. They, they fade out, and they're some, now they're on the ship or something. Well, that is exactly what's about to happen. It's, he's not getting beamed. I don't know exactly how it all occurred. But it appeared that he was caught up into the clouds and disappeared from their sight. But this is the absolute last things he said. And he is not going to be seen on this planet for another 2,000 years. We know that, right? I mean, he's going to appear at different times. He's going to be in a vision to people. He's going, his words are going to be heard audibly. And I'm not saying that Jesus has never 
appeared bodily to someone, but there's no indication that Jesus physically has come back to earth in 2,000 years. But I do believe people have had visions of him. So what does Jesus say? In the, okay, I've said a lot. Can I emphasize this any stronger? I don't think so. Let's read it. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Highlight that, guys. This is the last things he's saying. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does verse 20 say? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Do you guys... See that same type of phraseology that Jesus used on the night of his betrayal? Earlier, didn't he say that to them? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So again, he's using that same phraseology. He says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In conclusion, discipleship is key. I know that you're thinking, Jerry, you are a broken record. You are hung up on this discipleship thing. I am hung up on it. It's the most important thing that Jesus said to us. And I know it is because it's one of those last things that you say before, you're, before you leave. If you really care about someone that you're leaving, you're going to tell them the most important thing on your heart. Is that unreasonable? I think that's what we would do. And that's what Jesus did. He said, I'm telling you some important stuff right now. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And then in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. If Jesus stated it as he was leaving, possibly even as he began to rise out of sight, never to be seen bodily for over 2,000 years, could we conclude that he thought it was important? The question that must be asked is, how does one make a disciple? He said, do it. He says, make disciples of all nations. So my question is, how do you make a disciple? Even more fundamental is the truth that before you can make one, you have to be one. If we ourselves understand how to be a disciple, we can teach others from our own experience. That's my point today. What are the characteristics of a disciple? This is the meat of the lesson right here. I believe there are three. Number one is knowledge. We must be knowledgeable of the word. The original 12 disciples were taught by Jesus who was Jesus? Jesus was God's word in the flesh. Remember from John 1.1. 1, 1. And he taught them for three years. Three years. Our word is the written biographies which contain the acts and sayings of Jesus. I am telling you important stuff here today. I know that I've taught a lot of things that were good. That hopefully were things that anyone could grow on. But the things I'm telling you today are more important than anything I've ever taught. Our word is the written biographies which contain the acts and sayings of Jesus. 
How well do we know Jesus' commandments? That's my first question, or my second question. How well do we know Jesus' commandments? Could we enunciate them? Could we list the ten most important commandments that Jesus gave us, or something like that? I'm going to say that in the Christian church, we could pick out one or two, right? Jesus said, love your enemies. That was one of his commandments. And there's others that we could pick out, possibly. But I'm saying we need to know them all. We need to find out what his commandments are because Jesus said, if you will keep my commandments, he says, I will love you. <laughs> and if you keep my commandments, he says, you will prove that you love me. Number two, belief. Do we believe? I'm talking about being a disciple. The first thing is you have to have knowledge. You cannot be a disciple if you do not have knowledge. The second thing is you cannot be a disciple if you do not believe. You must believe. As a disciple, you will be asked whether you believe Jesus is the Christ. There are two parts to believing. First, you must understand that you are a transgressor of God's moral laws and will stand condemned before him on judgment day. That's the very first thing you've got to understand. The second thing is you must believe that Jesus was sent by God to pay your penalty. Jesus asked his followers, who do you say that I am? As a preacher of the gospel, that's my question to every hearer of this recorded message. Who do you say that Jesus is? Matthew 16 records, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. John the Baptist said of Jesus in John 1:29, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I've already quoted John 3:16, which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We must believe. Number three, action. There's three parts to being a disciple. Three legs to the stool of discipleship, if you will. The third one is action. I bet you've never heard that related to being a disciple. We must pattern our life after Jesus. He practiced prayer. The disciples learned to pray by observing Jesus. Jesus prayed a lot alone, but he also prayed before the disciples as the need arose and as he thought necessary. Do you agree with that? We know that Jesus prayed, right? The scriptures teach us that he prayed. The scriptures also teach us that occasionally Jesus prayed publicly. Not very often, but he did. And so I know the disciples saw Jesus pray. They heard him pray. Probably they heard him pray many times in the middle of the night when they were sleeping and woke up momentarily. They heard their master praying. Isn't that something? Jesus practiced prayer. Number two, he lived a holy life. He lived the commandments he preached. We too must keep his commandments. Keeping his commandments is how we demonstrate that we love him. And that's, of course, found in those three scriptures that we talked about earlier. As disciples, we must pray 
and keep his commandments. As disciples, our lives should reflect his life. He must be our pattern. We must take action. To be a disciple, you must possess knowledge, profess belief, and demonstrate them by action. Amen. This message has been brought to you by All People's Church of Arizona. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff, Arizona. If you have found this audio message to be useful and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy. Our good works, nor any other trait, no matter how admirable, are sufficient or acceptable. Salvation is a free gift to all people through the grace of God alone. This gift of salvation was foretold in Isaiah 53, 6. It says concerning the Christ, the Anointed One, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Salvation is a free gift to all people. No works are accepted as payment. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 makes this exceedingly clear. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the one sent by God. The Bible says in John 20, 31, But these are written, speaking of the signs that Jesus did during his earthly ministry, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of Jesus was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. God alone designed it, foretold it, and carried it out. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, it is written that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation, so say to God what is really in your heart. Many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above, such as this one, which can be used as a guide. Father in heaven, I have sinned against you. I have hurt other people and I've hurt myself. 
I believe you sent Jesus to suffer and die for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Please give me strength as I submit to Jesus as my Lord and help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org. You can also contact me, Brother Jerry, by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com concerning any questions you may have or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you this week.